may be seated, and I'm invite you this morning to open your Bibles to John chapter 14, and notice with me in verse 16, John the 14th chapter and the 16th verse. We're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit in you and the Holy Spirit upon you. Jesus prayed this prayer. He said, and I pray the Father that he will give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. Now that word another means one just like me. Not me, but one just like me. And when he comes, he is going to be as if I were right there with you. He had been with them for three and a half years. He had been with them as a counselor. He had been with them as a guide. But now he's sending the Holy Ghost who's going to be there with them and for them. Amen? And thank God this same comforter at the new birth is on the inside of you and on the inside of me. In the Amplified Version, it gives it a little bit more clarity. I want you to read that with me, if you would, please. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another comforter, counselor, helper, intercessor, advocate, strengthener, and standby, that he may remain with you forever. And so Jesus introduced him as your helper and as your comforter. He didn't say anything about him being weird mystical, ghostly, or strange. He is not weird, and he does not make you weird. So if you are weird, you are just weird. He didn't make you weird. Somebody said, I came to church, and you called me a weirdo? No. You just identified yourself. So the first love gift, the first love gift that God gives to us is forgiveness of sin through Jesus. The second love gift that he gave to us is the fullness of life through the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit descends like a dove, baptizes with fire, comforts, teaches, guides, convicts, corrects, helps us, and he strengthens us. He is incredible and he is awesome. He is the third person of the Godhead. He is a divine personality. He is not an it. He is a friend that sticks with you forever. In essence, he is whatever you need him to be. If you need counselor, a counsel, you've got a counselor on the inside of you. If you need a guide, he's given you a compass to lead you and guide you every step of your life. Amen? So say this with me. The spirit of truth... The Holy Ghost abides in me. He leads me and guides me into all the truth for my life. Now the word comforter in the Greek is paraklesis. Now what is para? Para is the Greek word prefix that simply means to be alongside one or to be beside. Now how many of you have ever seen a paramedic before? Well, what is a paramedic? A paramedic is one who comes alongside to help you with something medical. Anybody ever heard of a paralegal? What is a paralegal? A paralegal is an aide who assists a lawyer on legal matters. And so we also see that the word ecclesia comes out of the word paraclesis or paraclete. 
And what this simply means, ecclesia, the called out ones, those that are in the church and part of the body of Christ. Say with me, I am part of the body of Christ. And so the paraclete then is one called alongside to help you who are called out, you that are in the body of Christ. And his main ministry to you is personal, individual, and it is available on a daily basis. Another way that we could define paraclete would be this. He is our helper. How many of you need a little help? How many of you need a lot of help? Helper. One who gives aid, one who gives assistance, one to further the progress or the advancement of, one who is there employed to help you. And so when you need help, he is your counselor. The wisdom of God is available to each and every one of us. God's grace is sufficient for those who need the grace of God in the area of counsel. How many have ever needed a little wisdom in your life? Well, Jesus has made unto us wisdom, and the Spirit of God will make you of a quick understanding and impart supernatural wisdom into your life so that you know who to marry, you you know who not to marry, you know where to go, where not to go. Come on, somebody. Now, years ago, there was a gentleman that was in the ministry for many years. I think he pastored for close to 50 years. Uh, His name is B.B. Hankins. Uh, perhaps you've heard of a preacher by the name of Mark Hankins. Well, B.B. Hankins is Mark's dad. And B.B. Hankins said this, and I love this quote. He said, the Holy Ghost is a genius. And if you will listen to him, he will make you look smart. (laughs) What does this mean? This means this. When the enemy has a scheme or a strategy to come against you, the Holy Ghost will warn you. Because he's a genius. He knows what the enemy has planned, but on the other hand, he also knows what God's planned for you. And he's concerned with every area of your life. If you will listen to him and obey him, he will make you successful. And since he is a genius, he knows everything. He has the mind of God. He knows everything that Jesus has purchased for you. Isn't it awesome to have a genius living on the inside of you? The world knows nothing about that. I believe that there are some people that are extremely sharp in this congregation. Sharp because the Holy Ghost is making you sharp. I believe that you're quick. I believe that you're bright. I know you're good looking. And you are a major blessing. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Lord. You know, I don't know who the the CEO of Facebook is or the CEO of Microsoft is, but I understand they're billionaires. Well, they ought not to be the only billionaires around. I'm going to say that one more time. I said, they ought not to be the only billionaires around. Now, I know nothing about your spirit, their spiritual life, but I do know something about your spiritual life. If you've got the greater one living on the inside of you, he's quick, he's bright, he's sharp, and he will make you a success in life. Hallelujah. Do we have any candidates in this place for being a billionaire? 
Well, listen to him. You never know. He might just give you a witty invention. Put you on Shark Tank. What you talking about? (laughs) The world, you see, the world cannot tap into this unless they're born again. And here's, here's the problem. The church, even though the Holy Ghost lives on the inside of them, most people in the church are ignoring him. I mean, they, they, they may say a little prayer every now and then. They may throw up a little prayer. But mostly, for the largest part, in the body of Christ, most people are ignoring the Holy Ghost. Now, here's what will help you not to do that and help me not to do that is to look at him what in the old manuscripts, in the old English manuscripts, what the Holy Ghost was called. They say that the word Holy Ghost means holy guest. Holy guest. How many have ever had a guest in your home before? Well, you didn't have that guest in your home. Say, well, you know, you can sleep over there on the floor. And we'll be going out to breakfast at 9, and there's a cold wiener in there with a boiled egg. You can... You can have that. We'll be back by noon. And by the way, we want you to clean out the toilets before we get home. That guest would not feel very honored. That guest would not feel very at home. As a matter of fact, the more you ignore that guest, the more he will ignore you. And the more that we ignore the Holy Guest, the Holy Ghost, the more that we grieve him, the less he will talk to us. No, I'm not talking about going to hell. I'm talking about on your way to heaven, singing and shouting the victory. Amen. Glory to God. But as far as having a real rich relationship with Jesus, as far as you being able to hit it right in life and make the right decisions in life, Unless you start paying attention to this Holy Spirit who lives on the inside of you, you will just have a mediocre, nominal, low-level life in Christ. But that ain't you. I thought I'd get more amens than that. I said, but that ain't you. Look at your neighbor and say, that ain't you. No, we're going to honor him. We're going to pay attention to him. We're going to become more... Holy Ghost inside minded than we ever have before. Oh, thank you, Lord. Lift up your hands and shout, thank you, Lord, for the Holy Ghost living on the inside of me. He's a genius. He is a genius. He knows what car you should buy. Somebody says it's brand new. Yeah, but there may be something wrong with it. The Holy Ghost knows that. He'll make you smart. He'll help you to make the right investments. He knows who you should hook with. He knows what church you should worship at. He knows the paths for your life. And he knows the best ways for your life. A confession we ought to be making every daily, every day, is I'm being led by the Spirit of God every day. He's leading me and He's guiding me. 
Not only you have a God on the inside, but you have a strengthener living in you. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. How many of you have ever just felt weak before? But you look to him on the inside. And you said, Holy Spirit, rise up on the inside of me and quicken me. How many of you ever went to the job on a Monday morning and said to yourself, I don't know whether I can make it, but thank God I can do all things through Jesus Christ and through the power of the Holy Spirit which strengthens me. Many a times in my life have I been weakened, but oh, thank God for the strengthener. Thank God for the quickener. How about healing in your body? The, The scripture says he'll quicken your mortal body. You've got a quickener on the inside of you. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, I stretch forth my hand toward your people right now. And I say, be quickened in your spirit. Be quickened in your soul. Be quickened in your body. We come against all weakness of all kinds in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We bind it and we break its power right now. And we declare quickening. We declare strength. We declare healing. We declare your power to minister to your people. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. If you need an attorney, he's your advocate. He is the one who pleads the case of another before a tribunal or a judicial court. He is the one that maintains your cause. He is the one that will support you and promote the interest that you have in your life. Not only can he be your advocate and your attorney, but how many of you know he's an awesome standby? The word standby means one who can be relied on, especially in emergencies. I mean, he'll put you into another gear, man. I can remember going up the Rocky Mountains in one of our little cars, a little Chevrolet Chevette. It didn't have a lot of power. But chug-a-chug-chug, we made it all the way. But then I saw some of these big boys, these big trucks, these good buddies. Man, I'm telling you, they were just sailing by us. Why? Because they had a standby gear. Hallelujah. And on the inside of you, you've got a standby gear. In the emergencies, when life seems tough, when it seems like you're going uphill, the Holy Ghost is standby to put you in another gear, to get you to the top, to get you to the very best that God has for your life. Come on, somebody. Let's shout the victory. Oh, glory to God. And you are at a great advantage having him in your life. Oh, I exhort you, don't ignore him. I exhort you, learn to pray and to fellowship and to commune with this precious third person of the Godhead. Oh, he was there. When Jesus went about doing good and healing all the oppressed of the devil. He was there when Jesus was teaching the parables. He is the mighty Holy Ghost who will show you and lead you and guide you and reveal to you exactly what the Word of God is saying to you in your individual life. Amen. Oh, we are at such an advantage. Jesus said it like this. It's profitable. It's to your advantage that I go away. Because if I don't go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. In other words, one just like me has come into your heart. 
Oh, thank you, Lord. The Holy Ghost living on the inside. And so there are four things, or we could say it this way, four areas in our lives that we can attain to when it comes to the Holy Spirit. Number one, you and I can be and should be spirit-born. Born of the Spirit or born again. Coming into the family of God. Secondly, you and I can be and should be continuously spirit-filled. How many of you know we leak? And it's important for us to have continuous refreshings and continuous infillings of the Holy Spirit for our lives. Now, thirdly, you and I can be and should be spirit-led. Amen? And then fourthly, and I love this one, you and I can be and should be spirit-formed. Everyone say spirit-formed. Now, that's a little bit blind to us, so I want to talk just a little while this morning on what does it mean to be spirit-formed. Basically, when you are and I are spirit-formed, this means that we are growing and we are developing in the Christ qualities and characteristics that he's placed in your life at the new birth. When we are spirit-formed, here's what's happening. We are operating and functioning in and developing the fruit of the Spirit. When you look at the fruit of the Spirit, it is the fruit of the recreated Holy Spirit by which His presence and the Holy Spirit dispenses to you. These Christ character qualities are found in Galatians chapter 5 and in verse 22. Let's look over there at Galatians 5:22. Everyone says, Spirit born. Spirit-filled, Spirit-led, and Spirit-formed. Now notice what he will do in our lives. But the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Holy Spirit that has deposited these things into your spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love. Do you think that we could all grow in love a little bit more? The fruit of the Spirit is love. The second one is joy. God wants to form the character of joy in our life. You know, Jesus was full of joy, was he not? He faced difficult times, but even on the cross, the Scripture says, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross and he despised the shame on our behalf. And so this joy that God has made available to you, it doesn't come from the world. You know, joy is not measured by how much you have in your bank account. Joy is not measured by how much square footage you have in your home. Joy is not measured by numbers. It's not measured by the things of which you consist. Life doesn't consist of your possessions. The life of God, the true life of God, the true joy of the Lord is a character quality of Christ that you and I have and should be demonstrating regularly. The next one is peace and long-suffering and gentleness and goodness and faith. Literally, faithfulness. How many of you know that God wants His people to be faithful? 
That is being spirit-formed. The more faithful you are to him, the more faithful you are to the things that he's placed on the inside of you to do in the church and to do for his glory, the more faithful you are, the more like Christ you become. The more spirit-formed we become. Notice with me the next verse. And it says, meekness, temperance, read the last part with me, against such... There is no law. In other words, there is nothing that can come against you that will take you out and bring you down because the Holy Spirit is forming you and through the Holy Spirit, you're going to make it through. Say it me, through the Holy Spirit, I'm going to make it through. Hallelujah. And so today, today is Pentecost Sunday. And Pentecost means 50. What literally that means, Pentecost was 50 days after Passover. And it's when the Holy Spirit descended upon the church. And it's when the Holy Spirit was birthed. Pentecost refers to the Old Testament Feast of Weeks. And the Feast of Weeks was a holiday that occurred at the beginning of the wheat harvest. And was a display of thanksgiving to the Lord for His abundant provision. I mean, it was a time of joyful thanksgiving for the harvest. And through their hearts, they were just so thankful to God. At the Feast of Pentecost, they were to celebrate by bringing a new grain offering to the Lord. And they took two loaves of leavened bread and they did a wave offering to the Lord. Now understand this, that the holiday was just a foreshadowing of the great spiritual ingathering that would occur after the dramatic outpouring of Jesus on his first followers. Oh, thank you, Lord. Think about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and think about all the harvests that's come in since the day of Pentecost. I'm part of that harvest. You are part of that harvest. You are part of that great ingathering as a result of the Holy Ghost coming as a Russian mighty wind to take charge of the church. Amen. Oh, praise God. And so there are three different experiences that I want to talk to you about. There are three baptisms. Number one, there's baptism into the body of Christ. When you're born again, the Holy Spirit takes you and immerses you into the church or into the body of Christ. Corinthians says it like this, For by one spirit, we are all baptized into one body. Now, the second experience is water baptism. And if you've not been water baptized yet, you need to be. Next Sunday night, we're going to do an awesome water baptism service right here at church. We're taking the whole service to baptize people in water so you can get signed up. But this water baptism doesn't save you. How many of you know that? People that are water baptized, they're already saved. Water baptism basically is separate from salvation. Now listen to this statement. When you are water baptized, you're making a statement that you choose to become a disciple of Jesus. And water baptism doesn't save you. It declares that you are already saved. Water baptism is an outward declaration of an inward grace. How many of you have experienced the inward grace of being born again? How many of you have been water baptized? 
How many of you have not but want to be? Raise your hand. There's a few of you. Get signed up. It's going to be awesome. One person said it like this, and I love it. Water baptism, it is the wedding band of Christianity. It's the wedding band of Christianity. And so thirdly then, there is this powerful baptism with the Holy Spirit. Now here's what Jesus said. Jesus said, I indeed baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And so this is when the Holy Spirit comes upon us in this baptism of the Holy Ghost. In Acts chapter 1 verse 8, I want you to read this with me. Acts the first chapter and the eighth verse. Let's read the first part. But you shall receive... Now let's stop right there. He said, you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. Now the word power there is dunamis, and we get the English word dynamite from that. So literally he's saying, but you shall receive dynamite. You shall receive Holy Ghost power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And then he tells us one reason for this power is so that you and I can be powerful witnesses for his name. God is looking for people to be filled with His power so that they can testify and witness to the world around them that Jesus is alive in them and that Jesus will do for them what He's done, hallelujah, in their lives. This power to be a witness, listen folks, it's a display of the resurrected Jesus. This power from on high that he baptizes you with, when this begins to flow through you, it'll be like a river of living water bringing healing, bringing encouragement, bringing strength to people around you. You see, I think too often times tongues has been stressed beyond the power. Now, when you receive the Holy Ghost, you should speak in tongues. Amen? It's like when I bought these shoes, I bought these shoes with a tongue in them. I don't want a pair of shoes without the tongue. And I don't want to receive the Holy Ghost without speaking in tongues. But I don't want to make speaking in tongues the big issue of receiving the Holy Ghost. The biggest issue of receiving the Holy Ghost is for you to be endued or clothed with power from on high so that you can be blessed and be a blessing. Come on, somebody. Oh, glory to God. Oh, my, my, my. Be a witness. Be a witness to the fact that he is alive. Say it with me. He is alive three times. He is alive. He is alive. Hallelujah. He has been raised from the dead and he will raise other people from the dead. He's been quickened in his body and he will quicken other people in their bodies. You shall receive power. Power. Dynamite. Explosive power. Something needs to be blown up, blow it up. Some devil comes along your way, say, you want some of this devil? I got me some Holy Ghost dynamite. Just blow that dude right up. Just blow him right out of your life. Just blow him right out of your family. Amen. Everyone say, you shall. I shall. I shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost. 
is come upon me. One, one book that really, really impacted my life when I was in my 20s. This was about 40 years ago. I got born again. You know my testimony. God brought me out of drugs, brought me out of darkness, translated me into the kingdom of God's dear son. Two weeks after getting out of the state hospital, I got filled with the Holy Ghost. So I had the Holy Ghost in me, helping me to make it through. And then I had the Holy Ghost come upon me so I could help other people make it through. Hallelujah. And so I got filled with the Holy Ghost. And then I got a hold of this little book by T.L. Osborne. Now, T.L. Osborne's family grew up near Brenda in Pawnee, Oklahoma area, down there. And T.L. Osborne, if you know anything about him, he was an internationally worldwide known evangelist. He would go to Africa. He would go all over the world. And his message was so simple. His message was this. Jesus saves. Jesus heals. This is how he'd speak. Jesus baptizes with the Holy Ghost. He was, he, was a, he was a prince of preachers. That boy could preach, I'm telling you. He's on with the Lord right now. But, oh, man, he'd go to Africa, and he would just keep it so simple. And people by the hundreds of thousands would receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior. People by the thousands would come up out of wheelchairs. Blind eyes would see. Deaf would hear. The lame would walk because Jesus was being magnified. And the power of God was being demonstrated through a man that in humility received the power from on high. Oh, hallelujah. Jesus saves. Jesus heals. Jesus fills. That's the message that the world needs to hear. It's all about Jesus. And I got a hold of his book, The Purpose of Pentecost. And in this book, he said the number one purpose of Pentecost is to be endued with heavenly power from on high so that you can demonstrate Jesus wherever you go. Oh, praise God. Let's look at Acts 1-8 again. But you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me in the Bay Area and in California, hallelujah, and in the nation and in the Philippines and in India and in China and in Samoa and in Russia and in Europe. You shall be a witness and you shall reach the world right from where you're at. Oh, hallelujah. That's what an endowment from power from on high will do for a church, helping us to go beyond our boundaries into all the world. Amen. Now, I also discovered at a very early age that this power was not just power to be a witness, but it also gave me power to live an overcoming life. Because when I was newly saved, I still had a lot of junk that I was dealing with in my life. But the more I invited this holy guest into my life, and the more I paid attention to him, and the more I began to work in this infilling of the Holy Spirit, these sins, these old baggages fell off of my life. And he will do the same thing for you. Say it with me, because he is the same yesterday and today and forever. Now let's look at Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. What do you say we track this out just a little bit today? Acts, the second chapter, in the first verse through the fourth verse, this occurred on the day of Pentecost. 
It says, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one accord in one place. And suddenly, everyone say suddenly. Suddenly Suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing uh, wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. A few years back, Brenda and I went to that upper room. We had an upper room experience with Billy Brim. We had an upper room experience with other Pentecostals there, lifting up our hands and shouting the victory. And, and on that day, this wind came and it filled up the whole house. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire. And the Bible says it sat on each of every one of them. Now notice what happened. And they were all filled. I want to emphasize all filled. I believe in this local church, all of us should be filled. Filled with what? Hamburgers and hot dogs? Well, that too, but not only that. No, thank God. Filled with what? Filled with the Holy Ghost. And what did they do? And they began to speak with other tongues, a heavenly language of men and of angels, as the spirits helped them, as the Holy Ghost gave them the utterance or the ability to speak. Now listen, Pentecost was heaven's inauguration. It was the inauguration ceremony for the church. It was complete with rushing winds, flames of fire, and astounding displays of glossolalia which is speaking in other tongues. In that moment, men and women gathered in the upper room. They were visibly endued with heaven's gift of the Holy Ghost. Here's what Jesus said in John 7 to you and to me. He said, if you're thirsty, I've got what you need. That's a good word for some of you today. But some of you have been looking in the wrong places to get your thirst quenched. But Jesus is saying to you and saying to me, son, daughter, if you're thirsty, come on to me. Come to me and drink. He didn't say if you're thirsty, come to me and think. He said, come unto me and drink. Notice verse 38. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow what? Rivers of what? Living water. Verse 39. But this, read it, but this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. Stop right there. If you are a believer, you should receive the infilling. For the Holy Ghost was not given yet, but because that Jesus was not yet glorified. And so we see here, that this infilling of the Holy Spirit is like a river of life flowing out to us to other people. How many of you ever heard of D.L. Moody? D.L. Moody was a, a powerful evangelist. And R.A. Torrey would help him. And uh, he would talk about this unique experience of the infilling of the Holy Spirit that comes after the new birth. And I want to quote it to you. He said, in regeneration, there's an impartation of life. And the one who receives it is saved. But in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, there is an impartation of power. And the one who received it is fitted for service. And so today, 
If you ask Jesus to baptize you with the Holy Spirit, basically you are asking him to fill you with what they got on the day of Pentecost. And here's the awesome thing about it. You do not have to beg for this gift because this gift has already been freely given. How many of you know that unbelief begs, but faith receives? Say that with me. Unbelief, it begs, but faith always believes and receives. Now here's another thing that's really important for people that are candidates to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And we're not going to talk about this real long, but just stay hooked with me just for a few moments. You are not going to get some sort of a weird spirit when you open up your heart to the Holy Spirit. If you're born again, if you're a child of God, you're a candidate positioned to receive this gift. Now here's what Jesus said about it. In Luke chapter 13 or chapter 11 and verse 11, he said, If a son asks bread of any of you, that is a father, will he give him a stone? What's the answer to that? Or if he asks a fish, will he for a fish give him a serpent? No. Or if he asks an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? No. If you then, being evil, are natural, know how to give good gifts. Everyone say the Holy Ghost is a good gift. If you being natural know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more, how much more shall your Father give the Holy Spirit to them that what? So we see here it's a free gift, but it's also a gift that you must ask for. Amen? Ask and you shall receive the gift. Of the Holy Ghost. And then the question would be well, I understand that they were filled with the Holy Ghost 2,000 years ago, but is this gift for me in this present day and this present hour? Well, Peter said it was. Peter said in Acts chapter 2 and verse 39, For the promise is unto you. Say it with me the promise is for me and to my children. Read the rest. And to all that are afar off. Even as many as the Lord our God shall call. So I believe that he is calling today. He is calling today. You see, the baptism in the Spirit is for all alike. Jews, Gentiles, bond-free, women and children, people of all colors, of all races, all creeds, denominations, Jews, Protestants, Catholics. There is no limit to this gift. He is open and available to all that will ask and receive. Amen. Children, five and six years old, have been marvelously filled with the Holy Spirit. I can remember in the 1980s when we were over in the Philippine Islands. Over in Bias City, Brenda and I went with Mike and Sue Bryan and some others from the church. And we held pastor's conferences in the morning there. We brought just loads of Brother Hagin's books over there. And we fed those pastors and we ministered to those pastors. We not only fed them the word, but we fed them physically. And it was just an awesome time of, of, of unity among the pastors. And then in the afternoon, they would have children's crusades. And in the evening, we would have open-air crusades where the gospel was being preached. I'm telling you, it changed my life forever. I'm ready to go back tomorrow. But here's what happened with those little children in the Philippine Islands. This will bless our Filipino friends here today. Little children. 
over there in the Philippine Islands, Mike and Sue would do, you know, teaching and ministry to the wonderful little children. And then they would give the altar call for the children to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And Brenda and I were there one afternoon, and every child raised up their hands. And they said, yes, I want everything that Jesus has for me. You know, there's value in coming to him with childlike faith. Raise your hands and say, I want everything Jesus has for me. One prayer, I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit just swept into that place like a rushing mighty wind. And those kids started falling under the power and started speaking in a heavenly language. Baptize in the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. And you know something? That's happening in Nigeria. That's happening in Africa. That's happening in China. But it's also happening in the San Francisco Bay area. He is not limited to geography. He is here today to fill, to endue, to empower, to bless. He's coming as a rushing mighty wind. Everyone just go like this, a rushing mighty wind. Hallelujah. And so the question is then, who should be filled with the Holy Spirit? Everyone. Paul told us, don't be unwise. But understand what God's will is. He said, don't get drunk with wine. You don't need that mess. But rather be filled. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. This experience is not just for an elite few. It really shouldn't be optional. Really, it's a command by the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And you will find over and over again in the word of God that when the apostles and the disciples were filled with the Holy Ghost, without fail, they spake in that heavenly language. Peter, or Paul, went to, the, the, to Ephesus, and he came to a group of believers, and he said, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? In other words, these folks were believers, but what Paul was asking, have you received the gift of the infilling of the Holy Spirit since you believed? You know what their answer was? Their answer was, hey, we haven't even heard whether there be any Holy Ghost or not. And so Paul spent some time with them and ministered them the word, and then he laid hands on them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they began to speak in that heavenly language. Oh, man, is that awesome or what? The believers in Samaria, they had preached Christ. They had heard about Christ. They got born again. Then they sent down a couple of the disciples and apostles to minister to them this precious gift of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. And they spake and magnified God with other tongues. You know, Paul, before he was Paul, was Saul of Tarsus. How many of you know what Saul of Tarsus was? Saul of Tarsus was a bad dude. You did not want to see Saul of Tarsus coming to your hood. If Saul of Tarsus came to your hood, you'd head the other way. Because Saul of Tarsus had some bad intentions. He hated the Jews. He wanted to annihilate them. But one day, Saul of Tarsus had an experience on the road to Damascus. Hallelujah. A bright shining light came and he fell out under the power of God. Then one day God sent someone to Saul of Tarsus' home that he may receive his sight. Remember that? But not only that, and to be filled 
with the Holy Spirit. He says, I want you to go over there, pray for him to be healed, and also pray for him to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Well, we know Paul got filled with the Holy Ghost because Paul said this. Paul said, I thank my God, I speak with tongues more than ye all. And he was talking to the church at Corinth. And that was a spirit-filled church. He had to do a whole lot of praying in the spirit to be praying more than them all. He had to be praying before lunch, before dinner, and in between meals. Hallelujah. Paul was a tongue talker. Now, you don't want to just speak in tongues without knowing what the value of speaking in tongues is. Here's one of the greatest values of speaking in other tongues. It enables you and it helps you to pray for the unknown. It enables you to pray for your relatives. It enables you to pray supernaturally. It gives you head bypass, if you will, to pray out of your spirit supernaturally to the Father God who is a spirit. And he takes hold together with you in those prayers. And the Holy Ghost helps you to pray things through. How many of you know there are some things in this nation that need to be prayed through? I said there are things in this nation that need to be prayed through and through and through. They're not going to get through on intellectual praying, but they're going to get through on spirit-powered, spirit-empowered, spirit-inspired prayers of the saints, praying in the spirit. Hallelujah. Praying in the spirit. But not only that, how many of you have had difficulty in English expressing your love for Jesus? I have. But here's what happens. When you receive this glorious infilling of the Holy Spirit, he downloads in your spirit spiritual languages. And with these spiritual language, you're able to open your heart and just express your love for him supernaturally. Speaking to him and singing to him in a brand new language. Oh, it's wonderful. Jesus said that one of the signs that shall follow believers, they shall, he said, speak with new tongues. But I think one of the greatest, most marvelous aspects of speaking in tongues is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 2. And I want to close with that. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, and notice with me in verse 2. For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men. So if the devil comes along and starts bugging you about your prayer language... Well, you don't have much. Who are you talking to? You say, oh, devil, I ain't talking to you anyway. I'm talking to God. So this language, this conversation is out of limits for you. You got nothing here. For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but who? You speak to God directly and supernaturally. Now, no man understands him. However, in the Spirit, speaking in the Spirit, you are speaking to him glorious, divine mysteries and divine secrets. Oh, that's wonderful. To be able to communicate supernaturally. And the Bible says that when you call unto him in such a manner, he will hear you and he will show you great and hidden things that you do not know. Hallelujah. How many of you have ever had the Holy Spirit revealed to you a nugget and a truth for your life in a time when you were praying in the Spirit. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. Let's all stand up right now. And let's rejoice 
in this Pentecostal experience. Let's magnify him right now with uplifted hands. And let's just do some magnifying if we could today. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory, glory, glory.